Well, welcome, ladies. It's good to have you here with us today. We're delighted that you've come to share this time with us. You know, when we started studying the Book of Romans back in September, it seemed a pretty awesome mountain to climb. But God has been so faithful to us. This last week, we crossed the finish line as we studied the last verse in that last chapter, Romans 16. And this week, it's our joy and our privilege to look back a little bit, look at what we've learned, and to praise God for all the faithfulness that He's shown to us in these past months. It's been quite a journey, as you all know. We've experienced a number of hurdles, but it's also been a time of tremendous blessing as we've seen God providentially provide for us during this time of COVID-19. It's sort of remarkable. Our vocabulary has increased. Uh, Zoom is a word that's now part of our vocabulary for most of us. And as we've learned that technology and we've come to the place where now we invite and are invited to join our friends on Zoom as we've studied God's Word together in this latter part of this year. My name is Brenda Freels, and I have the distinct joy and privilege of interviewing Judy Lunabrink this morning. Judy and I have become very good friends, and I can honestly say that I learned to love my Savior more and more every time I have a conversation with Judy. She's uniquely gifted in sharing the love of God with others, and I've been tremendously blessed by that. So I know you're going to be blessed this morning. Well, here we are, Judy. (laughs) (laughs) This is a conversation that you and I have had a number of times over the last few months as we've studied God's Word together and shared our hearts with one another. But not everybody knows you, so I would like it if you would share a little bit about your background, your family, maybe tell us how long you've been here at Grace, okay, and then what ministries you've been involved in here. Well, um, my background started in St. Louis, Missouri. That's where I was born and raised, and I Grew up in a very wonderful, loving home, <clears throat> and uh, had brother and sister and mom and dad, and we faithfully went to church every Sunday and Sunday school and happened to go to the grade school that was attached to the, the church, and it was a grade school that my great-grandfather had actually been a part of building. So there's a long history of family at that particular congregation, for which I am very grateful, and I know God planted many seeds of uh, love for him at that time. Um, I went on and became a nurse, and while I was working at Washington University in the Student Health Service, in comes this wonderful young man (laughs) named Don, (laughs) and we sort of uh, grew uh, attached to one another, but because of his army business and my schooling, uh, we were not married for probably about a year and a half later. So we were married, and he was he left the army or was discharged from the army, and we came out to California, and we never went back to St. Louis in to live there. So we've been out here all this while, and God so providentially directed us here, and um, we're thankful for that. And so we've been married for forty eight years. We have a grown son, Sean, who lives up in Oregon, and uh, we've been involved in the last quite a few years at Grace Life, and that's been our fellowship group that we have 
learn to love one another in and to uh, serve and to minister and to be ministered to through that. Uh, Every Woman's Grace has obviously been a key ministry of mine through all of the years. I was here the very first day that Every Woman's Grace opened, and I have uh, been through all of the years, except for some I had left um, because of certain circumstances and then joyfully came back and have watched this ministry just grow and explode and deepen in depth and, and love for the Lord. So it's been a wonderful time. That's wonderful. Well, I think anyone that knows you recognizes what a deep love you have for the Lord as well as for his word. So I'd love it if you could share a little bit of your testimony about God's redemption in your life, how you came to know Christ. Okay. Well, as every redemptive story, it begins back in eternity past, when God called, when God chose us in love, and he put his love on us, and our names were written in the book of life. <laughs> so that, to me, through all of the thousands of years, came that time when he, that love, came and called me and called me to himself. So through that, my husband and I both were in, as our lives were spiraling downward, um, we began to want something more. There was something missing. We had a young baby now to raise, and how are we going to do this? And so the search began, and through one thing after another, I don't know, in a book somewhere I had read, well, if you confess your sins and repent of your sins and ask Jesus into your life and you believe that he died for your sins and was raised again on the third day, you know, you can ask him into, ask him into your heart and by faith. And so, as we know, salvation always comes by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And so that day we both sat down and we prayed individually and asked the Lord to come into our hearts and to our lives and that we just gave our whole life to him. And shortly after that, he providentially directed us to Grace Church where we just began to, uh, we just had never heard anything like what we heard here. And my husband pulled into the parking lot. We came and they were still meeting over over in what is now the Family Center. And he said, well, I don't know about you, but I found what I've been looking for. (laughs) So I said, well, I'm right here with you. So (laughs) that began our journey, and uh, we haven't left. So for 44 years, we have been here at Grace Church. I I never cease to marvel at the uniqueness of Mm -hmm. every story of God's redemption in an individual's life. I know. So now maybe you can tell, how do you keep that fresh? You know, how do you continue to grow in your knowledge of Him and in your love for Him? Because you've known the Lord for a long time. So sometimes we enter those valleys where it's not so fresh to us. So how do you keep that fresh? Well, you're absolutely right. And I think um, the very first thing that I noticed a change in my life was that God had given me new desires and new affections. And one of the greatest desires he gave me was a desire to know his word. And so um, we were so hungry, we were like little sponges, and we came every time the church doors were open to hear the word of God and to write and write. I still write, write, write everything down. But um, And then 
in ho- at the home at my home, I began to do that study. And one of the lifelines for me was joining a women's Bible study. This was before Every Woman's Grace. It was just a little study that met in one of the little classrooms, Sunday school classrooms, and we sat at the little tables. And <laughs> um, But that was my lifeline, and those were the friends that encouraged me in the Lord because they were a few steps ahead of me yeah. and could feed me things that I needed to know. And uh, we began to study the Word, and I would come home and put my son into the bed for his nap, and I would grab my Bible and my books, and and it was uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones on the Sermon on the Mount. That was my very first study, and I thought, I have been in church all my life. I have never, ever heard this before. So I was just so hungry. So how does that stay alive? I think the hunger just, you know, you you want more and more and more, and the more you dig, the more you realize there's more and more and more. And uh, I know we are so well-fed, so through all of the teaching. But I think there's nothing like coming to the Word of God with you, your pencil, the Holy Spirit, and allowing Him to show you the connections and the, you know, the intricacies, and it becomes so personal. And those truths will stay with you longer than any sermon will stay with you, because that's what God is teaching you personally. And of course, then the Bible study, Every Woman's Grace, was uh, has been a huge, uh, has had a huge impact on my life and changed my life so dramatically because of the study of the Word, and because now and then we can join together as women and not only discuss the Word but discuss how that Word works in our lives yes. and our struggles that we are having. Yeah. You know, if we ever think that we're without struggles in this world, we are. We are deceived <laughs> because it is a, a battle. And if we're not in the battle, then something's not right either. So, so I think it's through the, you know, personal study. And I love to, I love music and I can't sing. So I love to sing by myself. <laughs> so <laughs> you're a kitchen so, singer. I'm right? a kitchen singer or a shower singer. We, <laughs> a lot of things. Um, so that to me is, to, it just becomes, an act of worship. Yeah. And so, and the more I learn in Romans, especially this year, the more I understand the greatness of God, the greater my worship becomes of Him. And I pray, I almost wish that all this didn't end because I've had so much wonderful time alone in my home to, to worship the Lord and to be able to have time to dig into His Word. Yeah. So. And you and I have talked about... Um, the unbelievably compelling fact that we can't plumb the depths of God's Word. We return to it over and And over, over and yet over and over, He reveals something new to us as He peels back the layers of our lives. And I know for me, one of the joys of Every Woman's Grace is knowing that there are women in the battle with you, and we encourage each other. We're not the only one that has struggles, Mm -hmm. and that uh, we pray for each other and encourage Mm -hmm. each other. Another thing we've talked. Oh, I'm sorry. We were going to say something. Well, I, uh, just yeah. just briefly um, talking about every woman's grace. And I remember a couple of years ago when we began that study in Genesis, and mm. and we threaded the redemptive history and story all throughout Scripture, all the way through Revelation. And that to me was just jaw dropping 
and life-changing. And so those were those connections and use yes. against. So I think as we grow, and we grow as we see greater and greater our God and how great He is, you yeah. know. So it comes to that as well, seeing that. Yeah. And that we're part of that redemptive history too. So I think every one of us that have been through that part of the study at Every Woman's Grace would yeah. echo exactly what you've said. It's been wonderfully eye-opening to see mm-hmm. all of those connections. Mm-hmm. You've also mentioned to me as you and I have talked this year that Romans might be your favorite book. <laughs> <laughs> Many theologians describe it as the Mount Everest of Christian doctrine, and certainly we know that it's full of the key doctrines of the faith, everything from election to sanctification, justification, redemption, grace, Mm -hmm. and even glorification. So it's a big book. Mm -hmm. It's full of big pictures. You and I have talked about that. And we've known each other for a while now, and there's nothing I would describe as ordinary about you. But you're not a pastor. You're not a preacher. You're a wife, mm-hmm. you're a mom, you're a student of God's Word, and you're a precious friend to many of us. So you're a regular believer. <laughs> so I'd like to know how these timeless doctrines that we've studied this year affect the way you think and the way you live every day, even while we're under this COVID quarantine. Mm-hmm. Well, they are, and Romans has become more... I have fallen in love with it more, but I have to say it was very intimidating because of all of these doctrinal truths, and I'm thinking, I'm not sure I understand all of this, and of course I didn't, and and of course I still don't, but I'm thankful for things like uh, John's notes and systematic theology books that are very easy to read. Mm -hmm. So I think as I've become, as I've come to read and dig into what do these words mean and what does this how is this facet of salvation so important and realizing too that Paul did not write this to seminary students and professors he wrote this to ordinary regular people like you and me and uh, and not but um so that there's something here that I can understand and know and yet I know culturally they understood a lot of things that maybe I don't understand and have to know culturally the understanding of that. But when I look at the doctrine, and I'll just start with that one of election, and I know, Brenda, you taught on on election in uh, Romans 9 through 10, and um, how powerful that is, that we realize, for me, and I think I mentioned this just a little bit ago, about being chosen by God, that I have been chosen by Him, and I am his, and he's mine, and that chosen chosen began way back before eternity, and his love was placed on me in Christ then, and through all of these years, he has never ceased to love me. See, I can't comprehend that. No, and, and now, as his child, called, chosen, saved, I'm still, his love still. You know, the Holy Spirit pours out His love in my heart to assure me that He still loves me <laughs> and that there will be nothing that can separate us, can separate me from the love of Christ. That, to me, um, certainly factors into how, how I think about everything mm-hmm. and how I live my life 
as a chosen child, never having to fear that being yanked out from under me, yeah. you know, and never having to fear that God is fickle, but God is faithful yeah. and will be faithful even when I'm fickle. Yeah. And then that doctrine of sanctification, obviously, this is where I live today. Yeah. And how am I living that out today based on all of these, on my salvation and the great cost of that salvation and those doctrines and how that affects me, it motivates me, it it's the fuel that drives me to want to be like Christ and um, that I want to be faithful to uh, pursue holiness and to live that life that would glorify God and not dishonor his name in any way. Mm. And uh, even in my failures, I am assured of his forgiveness. So those how I live out those, maybe some of those truths, and they just, they're just... There's foundation, and the the doctrines, this is the other thing I was thinking of, too, that these are foundational truths that God has established. They are not shaky truths, and they are solid. And when my feelings are shaky, I can come to these solid truths, and I can know that this is real, and this is not going to be crumbling and tumbling, and they're, they're real for all eternity. And this is, these doctrines are a display of God's glory yes. and also how he relates to us yeah. and uh, through redemption and through sanctification and through election. These are all very relational doctrines. So instead of seeing them as just words on a page and facts of, and truths, that they become very real in my life as his, as he relates, that he's that's my relationship to the Lord. And very personal. And very personal. Very personal. Yes, very yeah. personal. Well, it's no wonder Romans is a favorite of so many. But yes. speaking of favorites, yeah. um, <laughs> some time ago, somebody asked my sister-in-law which one of her grandchildren <laughs> was her favorite. And she answered very quickly, whichever one I'm with at the time. <laughs> and that's sort of how I felt as we've moved yeah. through these chapters of Romans. Each one, and when I'm there is my favorite. So yeah. <laughs> if I pressed you, could you pick a favorite chapter in Romans? Well, like you said, there's so many, and I think there's there's sections of each chapter that just pop out. And um, for me, I think just to start with, and I know Romans 8 is probably a favorite of everybody's, and it is of mine too. And uh, even from the very beginning of my Walk with the Lord, Romans eight twenty eight stood out and um, held me and comforted me in many ways, and so I am so grateful for that. And so, um, but I think <clears throat> through this study, Romans five, the first part of Romans five, knowing that we have been justified, and justification is a one time declaration that we are righteous, uh, declared righteous because of Christ. But then he throws open the door and out come all of the blessings of that standing that we have in God. And the first one, of course, is that we have peace with God. And like we have talked before, where there may not be peace with other people, other family members, there may not be peace in the world, we always know that we have peace with God. And that we are always now, because of Christ and our union by faith in him, 
We have peace with God, period. That never alters. That never changes. That's what I love about all these. They're just so irrevocable that. And then comes that standing in grace, that now I stand in grace, and not only am I accepted, but I have access. And uh, it's always an access into his grace. And he will always shower, even if it's discipline, it's discipline of grace, because he loves me. And um, that in Christ I have forgiveness, and I can come to him 24-7 and know that I have access there to pour out my heart to him and to and he will be faithful to hear my prayer and to answer my prayer and then of course he placed in my heart to exalt in the hope of glory so right from the very beginning of salvation he gave me the hope of what is to come and to that's such an assurance because as we then come into the tribulation we know that there's purpose in all of that tribulation and purpose in our trials, and it always points us forward to there's, there's something better to come. You know, persevere to the end, because through that perseverance, then you will see the glory of God in fullness. And that's a great joy. And I love then also in there that, that whole string and that link and chain of security that we have that the Holy Spirit pours out into my heart the love of God. That's what gives me the ability to love God in return. Mm. And so that relationship continues. And as he continues to pour out the love of God in my heart, then that love of God pours out. I'm just the channel. And it pours out into uh, others' lives as well. So Mm. that's how we love one another. So It's wonderful. Well, you know, as as you were talking... um, I thought back to Judy and I have done the study sort of together on Zoom this year. Yeah. So we've had wonderful conversations. Mm-hmm. And I want to take you back to a conversation that we had because the imagery that you presented was so powerful to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about standing in a courtroom. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? I do. Can you share that? Because I just loved it. It was very powerful to me. Well, that just takes us back to the beginning of Romans and um, standing in that courtroom with every single person, <laughs> knowing our human condition and nature and um, our sinfulness, it just really uh, was staggering to me to see that again of my sinfulness, that once before I was forgiven, that even how staggering that was and right. the old um, the old sins that were there. And being there and realizing that there is no one righteous, that there is no one good, no one seeks after God, and the gavel comes down from the judge and says everyone is guilty. Everyone will be condemned and judged. And so as we sit there... And justly judged. And justly Justly judged. judged. Absolutely, because the wrath of God has to be poured out because he's a holy God. And then this righteous judge says, but here's my son. Mm -hmm. And he brings the son into the courtroom. And my son, (laughs) see, this is very personal to me. I know it is. So my son, 
I sent him to the cross, and I, I sent him to earth here to live a righteous, obedient life, which he fulfilled completely. He fulfilled every part of the law that you could never fulfill. And he went to the cross, and he took your name to the cross. He took your sins to the cross, and he ransomed you, and he bought you out of that slavery from sin with his blood. And he is your propitiation. And I love this word propitiation because it's an Old Testament. It takes us back to the Old mm-hmm. Testament where it talks about uh, propitiating for sin. And on that day of atonement, how the high priest went in to atone for the sins of the people. And there was the Ark of the Covenant. And in the Ark of the Covenant is the law. But God didn't atone for sin on the law because the law could never save but he atoned for sin as the blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat. So it's by mercy that God saves. And so Christ propitiated our sin on the cross Mm -hmm. as he poured out his blood and propitiated uh, that. And so that just came to such a full meaning for me. And then he said, and now, is there anyone who would want to be saved? Would anyone want to receive his righteousness? And I will blot out all your sin. You will never, I will never see that sin again. And instead of that sin, I will see only Christ's righteousness on you. And of course, then he calls out effectually to those that would believe. And I'm thankful that there was that effectual call. And I said, yes. (laughs) So that to me was such an impactful journey in Romans for me to see all of that. Well, that's a a picture I will never forget. It's such a powerful, powerful picture of what Christ has done for us. So I'd like to transition a little bit now. This, as we've already said, has been a very unique year Mm -hmm. as we've been studying and staying at home and dealing with the coronavirus in whatever way it has affected our lives and our families and those that we loved. So in that context, um, what has studying Romans at this particular time in history <laughs> meant to you? Well, we have talked about this. Yeah. And of course, um, right when all of this began, I think Romans 13 was the <laughs> the highlight of our study at, in our book of Romans, which taught us much of how to be submissive to government. And we and came to that chapter just, just as, as these restrictions yeah. were announced. Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> and as harsh as those restrictions were, we had no idea how long they were going to last and how in-depth they might be. And, of course, everything's swirling around and, you know, as far as, well, I don't know of anybody sick. Why should I go out? Why should I close my door? You right. know, so there may have been some desire to be defiant in all of that. But, uh, you know, that was very instructive to all of us, I believe, to be submissive to the government, because in doing that, we're submissive to the Lord. And we then have a testimony to the world around that's watching as we obey the things that we are asked to obey. Um, And to do it joyfully and willingly. And that sometimes, we like to grumble and complain about things. And so that was very helpful. So it that was probably the one thing that stuck out in my mind, too. Yeah. 
I also remember back at the very beginning when we first started staying at home, um, you shared a story about Noah's wife, Mrs. Noah, Mrs. you called her. <laughs> so can you talk about that biblical example from centuries ago and relate that to its relevance for us even today? Well, that began um, with my mom. I was on the phone with her, and she had just have um, living in assisted living had just been uh, now put into her a little apartment room, whatever, and uh, they were not allowed to come out any longer. So her doors closed. Not only did the facilities doors close, but now every resident had to stay in their own place. And you place. had a plan at that time to go visit her, right? Yes. Very shortly. Yes, yeah. yes. I had I planned that. to go, mm-hmm. and that was all canceled, and by God's providence, we had decided that we would talk every single day on the phone, and uh, that would be our way of communicating. And I, well, I'll get to that later, but it just has been such a beautiful time to spend with her. But that particular day, we started musing because she was pretty down in the down in the mouth about not being able yeah. to be with her friends and being locked in this little room by herself. But um, we started musing about what it would be like to have been Mrs. Noah <laughs> and um, and on the ark and what that was like. And I think how scary it must have been. For 120 years, Mrs. Noah watched Noah build that ark and thinking, oh, wow, what is going, what is this about? And, you know, being a loving wife, being a loving <laughs> wife. And what is this going to involve in my life now? But by faith, they yeah. they proceeded and persevered through all of the mockery and the rejection, and their faith was solid. And uh, I can't imagine packing that ark for the journey that they were about to take, right. and probably not knowing how long it was going to take. I know what it takes for me just to pack a suitcase, <laughs> so I can't imagine what our camper for a weekend trip. Yeah. So, but they had packed for all of the animals and for the eight. Uh, that of their family that would be on that board. But how scary it was, I'm sure, as they made that last journey up the, the ramp and saw the waters rising, and then God closed the door. Yeah. And that was so instructive to me that even though the storm outside might be quite scary, God has closed the door to our homes because that is the place of safety. The ark was a protection for them against the judgment that was going to take place on all of the earth. And so God protected them in that ark. And so that was seeing my home as a protection, not as a place of restricting me, but a place to protect me. Of course, spiritual significance of that being protected in Christ, he is our ark of safety. And... uh and then just being on there, there was no indication as to what they were, what their days were like. Right. So how do you uh, have a recall of 365 <laughs> days of what did we do today? And the only task they were given was to keep the animals alive. <laughs> and so that was a pretty ordinary, mundane, right. run-of-the-mill duty and not very glamorous. But they were faithful to do that because in the end, that was necessary. And essential. And so even our days behind our doors and locked doors as they might be, um, every 
task that we have been given is important. Every task is part of preparing us for what lies ahead, whatever that might be. And I I love knowing that uh, in Psalm 90, teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. So I just pray that through all of this, we present to the Lord a heart of wisdom. Right. We've been accountable for the tasks and the days that he's given us. And so um, that was part of the things that we came to see. Right. I think um, just his provision, God provided everything they needed for that journey and for that year-long stay in the ark. I don't know how you do that, but they God did. Right. And um, God held their future in his hands, in his gracious, loving hand. He knew exactly what he was going to do next. And he holds our future in his gracious, loving hands, too, because he knows exactly what's going to happen next in our lives as well. So that gives me real faith and confidence, knowing that whatever God asked me to do, make the best and do do what he asked me to do in the, mid, in the midst of that. And what a blessing that that we have the Old Testament scriptures to yeah. look back on mm-hmm. and see their relevance even for us today mm-hmm. and to take that story and help us, it helps us understand that what God is doing today is mm-hmm. for our protection mm-hmm. and that he has a plan and a purpose even in this. That's absolutely that's um, so encouraging because I think you and I have talked being confined to our homes has been relatively easy for us because we love being at home. Yeah, That's not true for everybody. Oh, so it's been a greater challenge for some of us than others. But uh, the provision of God's Word for us to mm-hmm. look at and know that in all of these circumstances, God is working out His plan. Yeah. It's not His plan B. It's right. His plan A. It's I love that because you've yeah. talked about that often. Yeah. That this is God's plan A. It's not His plan B. Mm-hmm. Well, I know we're reviewing for this week, so um, mm-hmm. I was interested on, on your outline for today. Mm-hmm. You sort of use the image of snapshots and photographs mm-hmm. as a way of viewing the Book of Romans. So mm-hmm. maybe you could elaborate on that a little bit for us. Well, I guess I just kind of thought the Book of Romans is really our album of redemptive history. And in there are snapshots and photographs of our life as well as the Roman that he was, the people that he was writing to, he's writing to us. God is writing to us as well. And the uh, photographs of the past, I was, I was thinking of going back into, like we had just talked about, uh, the first part of Romans there, where we went into the courtroom and we saw the ugliness of sin. And of course, it all begins with our recognition that we're sinners. Mm. There is no redemption until you recognize you're a sinner. And that there is no way and nothing you could ever do to earn your acceptance with God. So those are photographs that are really very, not very pretty. Those are the dark ones. Those are the dark ones. And I certainly could say, okay, I see a few photographs from my past. But what I love about that is that God has put them in the past. And over those dark photographs are the bright, magnificent contrast of his redemption. And that's what's important in our lives, not what our sins were. And I love that, I think it was Corey Ten Boom that said, uh, God has buried our sins in the depths of the ocean, and then he posted a sign, no fishing. (laughs) So, 
you know, sometimes we keep going back into the past and dragging out our sins and, oh, you know, feeling guilty and keep remembering and and so, like somebody said, oh, if you can only learn to forgive yourself, I don't know what that means, forgive yourself, because what we need to learn is that God has forgiven us right. and that those sins have been blotted out. And if he's not seeing them and doesn't remember them, why am I? Right. And those are, uh, as far as the East is from the West, so far has he removed them from him. And so just coming back to those truths are just so paramount in how we live because there are many women, and I probably have been guilty as well, just going back and seeing and being feeling that guilt all over and over again. But no, oh no, God's forgiven that. Yeah. You know, I can bury that because He has, and so that's good. And then the photographs of the present are obviously our life now, our life as pursuing that righteousness that we have in Christ, and how are we being sanctified by the Holy Spirit through faith. And his grace. And so it's the life of faith that we live now and pursuing that and knowing that there is purpose in every single snapshot of uh, our lives. And some are failures and some are sin and some are things that are not good and trials and temptations. And yet there's joys. All of that. It's a quite a puffery of photographs there of our life that is posted there, but all for one purpose, and that is to conform us to the image of Christ. So as I come to that section, I think, okay, show me today, Lord, how can I be more like Christ today in this situation? Someone had challenged me with that. Show me how Christ would act in this situation, and I want to do that, because when we act like Christ and we behave and our hearts are right, and we act in love and obedience, we're not glorified. God's glorified. And that's what we really truly want. And as we persevere through the trials and the tribulations of this life and the difficulties and even the coronavirus, you know, he has given us a future. And all through Romans is the hope of glory that he keeps putting into our hearts and into our minds. And that's the perseverance that gives us the perseverance. It's linked to that hope of glory, that will to come. So that's the photographs of the future. And all we need to do is go to the end of Revelations and and realize this is not my best life here. (laughs) I'm looking forward to that and living forever with him. Well, that's a wonderful way to kind of view the book of Romans as a whole. Another snapshot in Romans and the Apostle Paul's teaching is about God's love for us Mm -hmm. and how that should result in our love for one another. Mm. Well, right now you and I are sitting a distance apart. (laughs) So what do you think loving one another looks like Mm -hmm. when we have limited social interaction Mm -hmm. and we're practicing social distancing? So what does that look like in this circumstance? Well, our love for one another begins in the heart. And begins with uh, our love for the Lord. And so certainly as we love one another, we are praying for each other probably more fervently than ever. And our love is now through technology as opposed to face-to-face. I'm so thrilled to be face-to-face with you. (laughs) Not in the TV screen or in the computer screen, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you're freezing. (laughs) Freezing. So uh, I appreciate that. But uh, it's going to be hard. Uh, One of the things that I... As I look through those last chapters on the 
in Romans there and where the stronger come alongside and shall and and bear the burden of the weaker. Mm-hmm. I have known that personally. And so I am so thankful for in my weakness for the stronger sister to come alongside and not only to say that I'm praying for you, but to call and say, I'm here to help you, and how can I help you today? And then spend much time with me to help me bear the burden that in my weakness I was not bearing very well. (laughs) So for that, I have not only am thankful for that in my life, I'm thankful for the example that it has given to me how to shelter or to help bear the burden of right. someone else and the sacrificial love that that takes to do that and whether it be time or resource and it was all done with such a willing and joyful and happy spirit and the flexibility of another uh sister that came along and has been so gracious. So I'm just I, I'm just overwhelmed by the love of God that was poured out in my love in my life through the love of others. And then to see how God blesses both yeah. the weaker and the stronger. And that at times we may be that weaker person. Yeah. And other times God right. puts us in the position where we're yeah. the stronger one. Well that's so true. yes, mm-hmm. and we pull one another up mm-hmm. and that's, that's, I can't think of a better way for us to exhibit our love for one another. Mm-hmm. But even beyond that, it, it, that's really a demonstration of our love for Christ. Yes, and how true. Yes. And that he has placed those others in our life. And that the only thing maybe that keeps us from receiving that love is pride. That we're so prideful that we don't want to accept the help of somebody else. It's hard else. to ask, isn't it's it? Hard it's hard to, hard to receive. It and is. it's hard to receive that. Yeah. And so then in return, like you say, you're either being pulled up or being or pulling someone else up along the way. Yeah. And so you turn around and find that weaker person that, okay, now I know how to help that person too, and I want to do that. And I know what it's like to be in that. I, I know exactly. what that's like. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's wonderful how the the Lord allows us to um, move and mm-hmm. share things um, yeah. with those that share our common Absolutely. faith, yeah. some more than others, and um, the delight that that is. So I've learned a lot about transparency, which I'm not very transparent. <laughs> well, I think you've been very transparent with us today, Judy, yeah. so I appreciate that. Well, as you and I have shared and we move towards the end of Romans. Mm-hmm. You and I have talked a couple of times mm-hmm. about the individuals that Paul lists in that 16th chapter. He talks about what they did and what they mean to him. Mm-hmm. So as you've studied and thought about that, um, what stood out to you in that passage where he names those people and all that they've meant wow. to him? Wow. That, you know, Paul's example of his pastoring. Yes, he was the great evangelist. He was the preacher. He was city to city to city and rescuing souls and people coming. But his responsibility was also for the establishment of the church. Mm -hmm. 
and to make sure that everyone in the church was growing and functioning. And that's why these letters of doctrine were so important, so that the church had that foundation on which to build, and that there would be a day when Paul wouldn't be there, that they would be in the presence, you know, in, in based on these doctrines and not just on what Paul says. So I loved his personal love for the church in Corinth and his personal love for the church, and or maybe the churches in Rome, to which right. this letter was going. And even though he had never been to Rome, he knew people there. And so he calls them out, and, and the people in Corinth, it just shows to me that those are names that there are only a few in there that we could probably pick out and say, oh, yeah, I know Timothy. Right. You know, because yeah. Timothy's been written to before. And, um, but most of them we don't know. And most of them didn't really state what their significance in the body of Christ was or in that church. But they were important enough for Paul to greet them. Yes. And, to, and no matter how insignificant we may think we are, or how regular or ordinary we may think we are, God has placed us in the body of Christ and has given us each a very significant role to play in our insignificance because it all works together to support one another, to love one another, to bring unity to the church, which then brings joy. And so you just see the joy just oozing out. So there was a lot of diversity in these people and this group of people that he singles out. It's very personal. And I love the mention of all the women that were mentioned in those in that list, a long list, especially of Phoebe, and how he entrusted her, this woman, with this very, very important letter to be taken from Corinth all the way over to Rome, which was quite a distance. So we don't know how that happened, but he certainly trusted her with that letter to take it, and uh, then also exhorted them to love her when she got there yes, and to provide everything she needed. So I think just seeing his, just seeing the importance of each one of us in the body of Christ, no matter what that might be. Right. I, I think when I thought about that, one of the things that was such an encouragement to me is it had to be that Paul chose Phoebe mm-hmm. because she had proven herself faithful. Mm-hmm. He knew when he mm-hmm. asked her to do that that she was going to faithfully complete that task. That's really important. And that maybe has been one of the driving forces for me as we've studied Mm -hmm. this whole letter is, Mm. you know, Lord, help me to be the one that they will know that I'll be faithful Faithful. to the task. Help me to do that. Yeah, that's exactly, yes. And I yes, I think faithfulness in the small things then God uses, you know, as we prove ourselves faithful even in the small things, then God gives us greater responsibilities and trusts us, you know, gives us greater responsibilities in his work. Right. So, Well, we've talked, you've shared a number of things, and um, I just sort of want to give you one last opportunity. Mm-hmm. Is, is there any other way that you've seen the role of God's love and his <laughs> grace in your life right now? Because that's where we all live is right, right now. now. Yeah. Well, being alone in my home for long hours of time <laughs> and knowing that I think what that brings back to my memory is at the very beginning of this, and we alluded to this before, is that I had planned a trip to go visit with my mom, but God in divinely 
changed those plans. And I have learned over the years to just rest and find peace in Proverbs, uh, I think it's 16, where it says, the mind of man plans his way, but God directs his step. And steps in, uh, for me, that, okay, so this isn't going to be the plan. But you know what? That's okay, because this is God's plan. And it was so obvious that this was God's plan. And he's redirected my steps kind of profoundly in other ways. And I found such great peace because in all of that, you know, here comes Romans eight twenty eight. He's working everything out for good. And uh, you are going to, you know, I have the best in mind for your life right now. And the best was is that I would call my mom every single day, and we spend probably an hour, hour, maybe sometimes two hours on the phone, and we have just, she's 97, and we have loved our time together because we spend it talking about the day, and she's so excited, people come in and out, and she's just always so happy now and so upbeat and so we spend time in the Word of God, and we spend time with a devotional time where we're kind of encouraged and things to think about. We talk about all of that. Uh, she plays the piano still in her room, and so um, we're not great singers, but we do have a lot of songs we love. And who doesn't love, after all of this, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Uh, so... We have done that, and we've prayed together, and I think it has broken down so many walls that we have had, mm-hmm. you know, intentions or whatever, but truly one in Christ. And um, we wait for that phone call. It's the highlight of our day, just to hear her share the things that she knows from scriptures and she's learned and what God is teaching us, and that we just praise God together. And that also has flowed over uh, my husband and I, now that we have a little more time in the morning to be together, and he's not rushing out the door. You know, every day I wake up, I think it's Saturday. (laughs) So we've had a, so it's Saturday A week of Saturdays. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, a week, another week of Saturdays. And so we've had time to spend together in God's Word and prayer. And there's nothing that binds people together than the Word of God and, and prayer together. And you fall before the Lord, and, and you open up your heart before Him. Pray for others and pray for each other. It's been a real blessing. So, Well, I don't know how to thank you, Judy, because you've shared very personally with us. Um, it has been a remarkable year for mm-hmm. many, many reasons. And mm-hmm. I know that you and I, because we've talked about it, share the same hope for this year. Mm-hmm. That every one of us has grown in mm-hmm. the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, and that in that process, we have become more conformed to the image of Christ Mm -hmm. than we were when we started the book of Romans. It's not hard to figure out why I love Judy. (laughs) I can't think of a better way to close our time than to close with that very last verse Mm -hmm. in Romans 16. And Mm -hmm. I do that as our prayer Mm -hmm. to the only wise God through Jesus Christ be the glory forever. Amen. Ladies, thank you for joining us. Um, We wish you Godspeed and God's continued blessing in the life of you and your family.